This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. What's up? Hey, John. Th- th- thanks for joining us when you're... I know you're on the verge of death right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Doctors said, stay off of your feet. I didn't even go to work today, so... I think that's a good good plan. Like, I do that, too, but like work only gives us personal time as opposed to, you know, like, actual sick leaves. Yeah, so. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so everyone, we've got a new X-Men movie coming out soon. In fact, by the time you by the time you hear this, it'll be out. In, it'll be out in the next two days. Mm-hmm. Amazing, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and basically, I've um, I John, have you seen have you seen the trailers for it? I've seen trailers for X Men First Class. You mean, right? Yes, X Men yes. First Class. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, well, I'm probably one of the few people who will actually say that they enjoyed um, like um, X Men. It's like X Men: The Last Stand. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I I liked seeing um, Professor X in there. I, I, at one point in in the movie, I turned to my buddy and said, "Dude, it's like it's like they're doing Ultimate Professor X since they're, mm-hmm. since they're doing like he's much more like um, shades of gray, shades of gray um, morality right right there." And I liked and like some, some like like the action scenes in there, like seeing Magneto mess with the Golden Gate Bridge. And I think mm-hmm. I also liked him seeing Beast in there as well. I mean, Kelsey yeah. Grammer did a, did a good did a great job with that. And you know, all the people who came back, like um, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian McKellen and, of course, Patrick Stewart. I think they did a, did a good job. I mean, yeah, yeah, comparing have, comparing well, the three of them together, I would say that it, it's the weakest entry in that trilogy, but it's not, for me, um, disappointing. I've, I I enjoyed the film. Yeah, it's like, the main issue is like they, they didn't really give it time to breathe. I mean, like it's a very, mm-hmm. generally pretty short movie. Like, it's about a little over an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And... No, when you're and also when they're trying to do the whole like you know dark phoenix storyline, I mean, I don't know. It's like without giving it, giving the entire movie over to that plot line, you're just you're just not going to do it justice. Exactly. Yeah, but still, it's like I mean, I I've seen the trailers for first first class, and I I think it looks fantastic. I mean, it's like it looks like they got a good good hand good handle on the character on the characters. They got a great setup for the story, and it's like and it's like it's just and it looks um it's like it looks. Looks like a lot. It just looks like they're going to be like a lot smarter, more more intelligent than the previous one. Especially since um you've got um Brian Singer coming back in an executive producer role. Yes. And you, yeah. And you've got um Matthew Vaughn, director of Kick Ass, um like taking over directing directing duties this time. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman you mentioned earlier. I'm sorry, I forgot his name. Slipped my mind. Um, but he was the one who directed the first two X Men films. Correct. Yes, Brian. Yeah, Brian Singer. He Brian was, Singer, right? That was it. Yeah, he was supposed. To, he was almost set to direct this one, but I think he, his commitments to um, his um, Jack the Giant Killer movie, um, I can't, I precluded that. He might. I've heard rumors that if they ever get around to doing an X Four, um, they'd um, like he'd he'd come back for that. But you know, we'll see. Oh. But still, the thing is though that X Men First Class takes it. It's actually part of the first um, X movie to actually take its um, title from one of the comic comic books. Mm. Now, the X Men First Class series, um, it's it's not really. Um, you see, it's kind of it basically. Like, um, it's kind of like the um, X Men's answer to the um, all ages Marvel titles that that they've been doing they've been doing over the years. Like they've had like Marvel Adventures, Spider Man, Marvel Adventures, um, Hulk, Marvel Adventures, um, Avengers, all that stuff. And they're basically they're often like you know continuity like. Light story set in the uh, set in the um, origin, like in the um, set with the original cast back in you know essentially the uh, you know it's like when when the characters are first around. But though, though in this case though it's like it's basically like, like with Marvel's well, the continuity, basically like all 
Marvel continuity is kind of funny in the way that, um, well, DC's always been the idea that, yeah, so they have to reboot continuity every like decade or so to keep their things current. Marvel's always been, continuity's always been like, oh, all this stuff, you know, it happened like about 10 years ago. So even though the X, X-Men have been, been around since the 60s, continuity-wise, they've, they've really only been around for like past you know, 10, 15 years or so. Oh. And that's, yeah, and that, and that bears out in this, it's like in this collection I got, um, X, X-Men First Class Tomorrow's Brightest is by um, writer Jeff Parker and artist Roger Cruz. Um, I was, even though I love the X-Men, I was, I really wasn't that interested in this, the series. It's basically, you know, oh, we're just going ahead and retelling like just old, like just doing the stories of the original X, X-Cast. This stuff that has no real, there's like cute done one stories designed to appeal to an all ages audience. And, um, it doesn't really have any, like, you know, real impact or, or, uh, on the, um, regular X continuity. Continuity. So I figured, eh, you know, it's like, eh, it's all right, but no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like pick, pick out. I got better things to do with my time. But you know, since the movie is coming out, I figured I'd go ahead and pick up this first volume, which collects the first eight issues. And uh, much to my surprise, this is actually, this is actually quite fun. I mean, it's not an essential volume by any means, but it, but it does a good job of offering like fun, <clears throat> fun all ages stories that you know will appeal to both your kids and like you know like the uh, long time time X fan in you because you've got. Basically, that the five core X X series. You got Cyclops, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Iceman, Beast, and Angel, and with you know Professor X, Professor X, I'm leading them around. They just have like fun like team up adventures as they go with some um, various some um, heroes and villains in the Marvel universe. I mean, the first story has them um, finding off and finding out the um, real deal behind an alien menace. Um, in it's like in the Antarctic. Then next issue has them um going out to hunt the uh, Spider-Man villain, the Lizard, in the it's like in the Florida, it's like in the Florida Everglades, and you've all think has some subsequent stories on um, like going to Professor X's mind to try and get him out of this um, recursive loop he's stuck in. Also, um, Ice. Then you got um, Ice Iceman and the rest of the t- crew teaming up with Thor to fight off a storm giant. Um, then, then they meet up with Doctor Strange to, keep, to um, get this demon that's been following them around. I mean, it's just, it just follows that kind of thing. I mean, it's like they're not they're not like you know groundbreaking, um, earth-shattering stories by any means. But you know they're fun. I mean, and Parker does does a great job, like bringing like lots of wit and humor to, to the uh, the proceedings. I mean, I like how the how the uh, first issue has is basically like narrated by by Bobby, and it's and like he'll, you can see him form like form some ice like some some ice knives like Wolverine saying, "Hey, check out check out this. I should form these all the time. How cool would that be? Oh please, big claws would be ridiculous." Is um is is Jean Grey's reply, and then you've also got. And also, like he, he plays against like certain expectations, like with um, like when, like um at one point in the second issue, which is pretty much my favorite favorite for the most part, um Beast and Angel wind up going out into the going into the swamp to track down the lizard, and that they're and while they're like no, it's like I'm um, like go like just um like pl- like trudging through the swamp, it's their their scenes are intercut with um with um with Jean, Jean Grey um. Um, Scott Summers and Bobby Drake just um, living it up in um, it's like in Angel's mansion, just like just like having, having the time of their lives while these two suffer on the swamp. But while they're on the swamp, like like um, Angel goes, ah, you know, why am I concerned about these guys? Like Scott's so so uptight, he's just gonna like, be making them run, making two of them just run drills the entire time. The next panel basically has has the three of them on the beach going, hey Drake, my drink is getting warm again. Not while I'm on the job, and I send get some um, conjures up some. So ice cubes right out of the air. It's just, it's a fun it's a fun moment, and the series is packed with 
scenes like that. I mean, it's 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 not an essential volume to the uh, it's like to the X Men mythos by any means. But if you're looking for a fun tie-in series, and really, hey, and also, hey, if you're looking to get your kids started on the X Men, it's like I I go and go and recommend this. Just keep in mind that the volume you want is Tomorrow's Brightest. Marvel has also released a, an X Men First Class um like collection um that that's digest size and it ties and it um and it collects um like 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 first of the five of the eight issues collected here and while it's cheaper this one I'd say for uh for the uh, tw- for the twenty bucks it costs less if you get it through Amazon like I did it's definitely it's definitely better value so so like I said it's highly highly, recommend, highly recommended while X Men First Class doesn't exact adapt a specific story I think this is this is a fun this is a fun tie-in worth worth picking up for like for X fans and you know it's like if you want to see what the whole it's like just just to go back to a simpler time in X continuity speaking of which though because like originally my plan for this podcast was to you know think about you no know, what I had the great idea of like what was to be the uh, what, like what would be a good X story to uh, to turn into a to turn to a movie you know and um well, thing is, like, well, my knowledge of it, I like to think my knowledge of um, X continuity is fairly extensive. It's still nowhere near the uh, realm that um, someone like Paul O'Brien, who does the X axis, um, it is. Um, I've got, like, I started looking. I mean, like, you can't because the thing is, like, a lot of the stuff has already been, all that has already been like taken by the movies. You can't do um, um, Dark Phoenix Saga because you already had Phoenix going bad in in X Men: The Last Stand. You can't do. Um, <sighs> Uh, God loves man kills because that was kind of that was generally touched on in it's like in in X in X Men two. <clears throat> then you then I look through all the other stuff I got. I mean, you can't do um, something like Inferno, which basically has Mister Sinister and like and the fiends of Limbo teaming up to take take down the, like I'm um, taking on the X Men because that, that's just too like too weird and too um well very not very X Men to be perfectly 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 right be perfectly true. Then you've and then there's also um, um, Extinction Agenda, which you can't do because no one's introduced um, Cable, Bishop, or like, and just about like a lot and like most of the characters in there. Same goes for um, um, like Messiah Complex in the recent compl- crossovers like Messiah Complex or Second Coming. It's too mired in current X continuity for <coughs> for you for you to do anything from there. And all same same thing goes with like particular runs. I mean, like a lot of a lot of the X runs by certain ex-writers just have kind of like, you know, just, they they don't really have a definitive bit, beginning, middle, and end. Grant Morrison's run does, but his, but his stuff, his stuff probably would be enough to make an entire trilogy in and of itself for to get someone who could really wrap their heads around what he does right there. That being said, one thing I have always liked to, I've always thought about seeing is a, is a good X-Factor movie. Now, um, yeah, X-Factor... I might have mentioned before is like it's it's basically P- well um, X Factor has existed in several incarnations um, throughout throughout its run. It originally started off as being like you know like a uh, like a book for the original X Men characters, the ones I just talked about for first class, to um be in the spotlight again. Then eventually, then later on, it morphed on into um being like the government run um X X team. But you know in between that that time as, as a government run team and its incarnation now. It's basically um, been um, Peter David's book to um, write about X, X stories. And for a while, um, this current mm-hmm. incarnation was the um, one X book I would recommend to people who just generally don't like, can't really get into X-Men Tiles. It's 
doesn't really deal with a whole lot of like, the main X continuity. And they're just really entertaining stories in and of itself. Particularly in its um, focus on um, on one Jamie Madrox, the multiple man. Um, David has done a great job by making the character into a into a very, very interesting protagonist as, as his um, power to just make duplicates of himself. It's just showing like, hey, here's a guy who can do anything he wants, but you know, like, because he can do anything he wants, he he as a person doesn't have to go in any any direction himself. Now, now, John, you've you've seen that you've seen you've seen um Last Stand, and you know that um that um, Madrox showed up very briefly in one of the scenes right there. Mm. Yeah, cause he remember it's like he was like that. The, the government was closing in on Magneto's camp, and they finally found out that oh wait, Mad, Madrox it was just Madrox duplicating himself. Mm. It's been a while since I've seen that film, so I'm uh, having a hard time okay. placing that scene. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Because the thing is, like, I'm wondering, like, yeah. You, is I, that I, the I, time? Is that that wasn't uh, when they were tracking him down? That wasn't when Wolverine was also in the uh, in the uh, forest as well. No, nah, it was just the government. It was just the government making their own play to uh, yeah. to try and ta- take down Magneto. Ah, gotcha. All right. <laughs> yeah, boy, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, no biggie, but but, they, but the, basically the thing is like, see, I picture my X my my X Factor movie just starting up from that from that point right there. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got you've got um you got Jamie um in like in custody by the taken into custody by the government because he's you know, a known associate of Magneto, and like you know, I figure like you like doing Jamie's like you know like hey and, like I'm just doing J- Jamie's like sick just like you know just being just just doing his thing like hey I I just hear because like you know Magneto. Cause like I figured I can just talk about Magneto, and you can play him like sort of like like, like hey like sort of like uh, it's just so like, like, like morally ambiguous for in, initially, but then he finds out that oh wait huh, turns out my big big plan to have Magneto didn't didn't pan out because Magneto's like missing missing in action now after the events of the third movie. So what does he do? Finds a, finds a way to escape, and then event then after he winds up escaping, he finds himself in. Finds up encountering um, Mr. Sinister. Now, Sinister is one of the, one of the um, A-list X-Men villains. At least he was. At least he was until his um, untimely death, for now anyway, um, in, um, in the Messiah Complex crossover. Now, the way I picture um, like Sinister existing in the movie universe is basically like a guy who um, was like a guy who guy uh, immensely powerful mutant, mutant, both in terms of his shape-shifting ability and it's like and psychokinetic powers, but the thing is, like he, like well, he initially made his, pl- he would have made his play to just, you know, to, to take, try and take over the world, but he was eventually he would eventually be stopped by, like you know, by by Charles and Xavier. They can't have like this guy taking over the world when they're trying to change it for the better. This might be um, completely invalidated once we. This approach might be completely invalidated once um, first class comes out, but just oh. bear with me. So, Sinister has basically spent the last um, several decades underground. Just biding his time, um, like watching watching um, Xavier and Magneto, Xavier and Eric, or uh, Magneto just drifting apart, and but biding because he knows if he if he shows his head, they're going to team up to put him down again. Now that they're out of the way, Sinister has got his got his plans to just you know take, just you know slowly. So he likes being behind the scenes now. He wants to just find a way to take o- take over the mutant continuity community and use it for his own for his own ends. Because he's basically a genetic. His character is basically a geneticist. He wants to uh, understand, understand like, um, how mutants work and f- find a way to use his, use their pa- find a way to u- manipulate the X gene to get 
for the powers he wants, and just gonna be be out all powerful as a result. The way he does this is by um is by um using um um using Magneto's son Quicksilver, who everyone most people will be familiar with from the X, like from regular continuity, as kind of like a figurehead for a new for a new mutant movement. He figures if he can if he can control Quicksilver, he he can um. He could take o- he could basically take over the world, and he's if he's got Madrox on hand to just use for like for like infinitely multiply for inf- infinitely um, indispensable manpower. So he he's got his he's got his plan he's got his plan set. Problem is problem is for, for well Jamie's cool with this because oh, hey you know it's like hey it's like you know I I'm doing something it's like I got nothing better better to do it's like hey I'm here I'm here but I'm mutants like just like defeat the dirt like dirt, dirty humans and all. Problem comes down on two two fronts. One is is our government, who has been keeping tabs on Sinister, but really can't do anything about it because if they do, they'll just show up and get their ass kicked. This is play. Now, all right. Excuse me for a second. Sorry. I basically have to talk mention how um how casting works in this. Basically, I figure Jim Carrey as Jimmy Madrox because Madrox has been, under Peter David has been like a huge pra- practical joker, someone who's someone who's like always like trying to see the lighter side of things, and I think and Carey, I th- he's he's re- not only can the man act, and while he's probably a comedic actor, the man does have a has have a serious side that he can tap tap into, which I think would work work great when like delving into the moral ambiguity of the situation. But um, but then also like it'd be fun to see, I think it'd be fun to see him play play against himself like as he uh, it's like <clears throat> like as he basically winds up being straight man to his to his um to all of his other duplicates. Now, thing it. Okay, now the thing is, you got um, the government on one side um, with Val Cooper, um, one of the X books, um, long-standing government liaisons. She'd be played by Sigourney Weaver because you know Sigourney's like awesome, awesome like that. And she can, I think, she can pr- pr- produce the um, right mix of like, of, like um, a character who is who basically believes that a their side is the right side, and b um, their si- their side is also the winning side as well. So, so basically, he got, she's going to try and convince him that. That you no, know, um, working with Sinister is bad. Like is bad news because you no, know, we don't want him there. But also, he's got he's gonna have pressure from the other side. Other side, basically the regular mutants. And this would be this be um by portrayed by like, regular X Factor members, um Wolfsbane and um Strong Guy. As like they're like they're the, like they they've been uh, well they've been um like regular regular, regular X Factor X Factor members. And I figure like having them in the film will provide good continuity. Plus like um plus um Strong Guy or Guido Carasella. As you know in the series, he's a great, great bit of comic relief, and and Wolfsbane, like she's like she wants, wants to be in the team's moral compass without you know being um overly sanctimonious about it. So I think I think that'd be a good good mix to have right there. And well, I haven't like really got the whole um uh whole, whole climax um like part of that. I would say that um like it's eventually gonna like eventually like you know Madrox realizes that um. No, like once you have, I have specifically planned out. It's basically like as um like Jamie's trying to like recover something for him, sinister. He winds up being being trapped in an elevator with one with this one um one reporter who's basically trying to wants to get her wants to get the uh, inside story on what um what sinister's planning. Now this would give um Carrie a great chance to just go completely over the top and and mug as an evil as an evil mutant. And he also winds up giving um Mister Sinister his name. I work for Mr. Sinister. And, um, because the thing is, I, I, I imagine, like, um, because Sinister's real name is Nathaniel Essex, and he's been, and he wouldn't have used Mr. Sinister at all, just because he's, 
he views himself as you know being above silly code names. But um, once uh, once Madrox gets this um, gets this bit out on onto the news new airwaves, like everyone starts calling him call, referring to Essex as Mister Sinister, and Sinister does not like that at all. And so he basically show winds up shows um, Jamie what he can do to one of his duplicates just to keep him in line. That combined with more pressure from all of his friends. That's what's going to turn, finally turn him on to the side, side of good. Big fight ensues. Sinister is defeated. But the door is, of course, left open for his, for his eventual return. In the third movie, of course. And uh, so again, after that, uh, Jamie decides, well, what am I going to do with my life? So he basically sends off, makes call of his dupes, sends, okay, you're going to, it's like, okay, you're going to um, South America. You're going to, um, you're going to Japan. You're going to Russia. It's like, you're going to Europe somewhere. It's like, and hey, just don't. Go there, live a life, and then bring back some new experiences. So that's that's where things lead because because for, for naturally for the second movie, um, I should probably start wrapping things up soon because basically like one of the things I've liked about um, David's run, especially the recent his most recent um, run with the series, is how how Madrox's dupes um, basically have he's he's wound up doing like sending them out to accrue so much knowledge um, that they've wound up having them their own personalities as well. So while the his um duplicates in the first one would just be kind of like you know slivers of his own conscience. These ones would be ones in the, in the second movie would just be um their like almost their own ind- individuals as well. So he'd want to just you know get into arguments with himself. And I figure you know if, like any like if anyone can handle like just getting into an argument with yourself over over something like Jim Carrey could be able to handle that. But for the second movie, the plot would be, and I think this is something that I'd like to see. And I hope they pick for any X Men movie because. Thing is, like, well, you know, movies are always put like shown to be like you know hated and feared. We've got um, like one of the things. There's always going to be this like small segment of society who's going to look at me and say, "Dude, that's cool. How do I get um, my own healing factor, or like um, beams that shoot on my eyes, or wing wings on my back, or shape shifting abilities? How? Do, what do I have to do to become a mutant?" And that's where um John Sublime comes in. John Sublime was a villain who basically. Basically, did exactly that during Grant Morrison's run, um, run on the series, and he, it's like, and he basically wanted, like, just wanted uh, harvesting, like, harvesting mutant abilities for their, for his, for his own ends, basically to make, to make the human, basically humans who have been augmented with, with um, harvested mutant abilities, and I figure that this is, so yeah, it's, and I figure this, it's, it's kind of, like I, I it's kind of, it's not really like a huge, he's not really trying to make this like a huge, huge world. Well, okay, maybe he is trying to take over the world, but still, it's like he, he's trying. He's doing this by doing by giving a mutant like mutanity like a pub, like a public face, something you can't just like you know show up and show up and hit and defeat by just by hitting him. It's like so by doing doing this legitimately, this is when the government um, like obviously asked Madrox and the rest of his friends to go in and go in and take and, and take him take him down from the inside. Now, let's see. That's I, I've only got that's my that's my plot sketch, but. It's not like what I like what I see. Me personally, I realize there's no chance of this ever happening. Despite just the fact that you know, like I'm sure Fox is like hungry for X-Men spinoffs. I mean, we've got you know we've already had like I had one Wolverine movie which you know was kind of crap. Well, I've heard the second the second. Yes, John. No, nothing. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, because like you mean you agree the first Wolverine movie was kind of crap, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, though I've heard that the second the script for the second one has actually is actually supposed to be um, pretty really good, 
It's just that now they don't have a mo- don't have a director after Darren Aronofsky dropped out. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, like I like I said, I'd like to see this, but I realize the uh, I realize the, like, the odds of it are odds of seeing it in action are eventually are are ultimately kind kind of small. Still, you know, a fanboy can dream. Hmm. Yeah, and and on that note, it's probably good probably good time to go and go and wrap wrap things up. And it's like I just want to say that hey, I hope. I certainly hope um, X like X Men First Class is as good as the trailers make it out to be, and also you know just just hope it lives up to the legacy of the of the, fir- of the first two movies. You know, I, I like the third one really. It's like it's a it's the second one that ever, that's that's really the easily the best of the three still, uh-huh. and one of the rare sequels that is better than the original. Uh-huh. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, and hey, you know, because we're in that time of the year. See you back in two weeks when I talk about something um, Green Lantern related. All right. Yeah, because I know that like DC's all set for you for you to like um, eat eat that up as um, their answer to Iron Man. But <laughs> hey, we'll see we'll see how that works. Because like, all right, all right, everyone, you take it easy. All right. See you later. <laughs>